we're just making more of this stupid narrative that like, hey, if you cry, it's okay. We've marketed it as real men do it. So you're still, you're good. Okay. So if you cry, mm. you're still okay. Like you're still, you still got your manhood. So, you know, whatever. I, I think, I think one way I would rather see this rephrase is that real men, real men could cry. Real men, real men allow themselves to cry if they need. And if they don't, mm. they don't. Like, and, and that's just that. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on? Welcome back, everyone. You know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast, episode 49. I'm your co-host, Coach Kyle. What's going on, my people? It's your co-host, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A-squared. A-squared. And today we have a conversation that is needed. It is in regards to vulnerability. And, you know, the statement, real men cry is bullshit. We're going to explain what we mean by that and what we actually want to uh, hope for in this world in regards to vulnerability and vulnerability within men. But before we do that, you know what time it is. It's time for a little vulnerability itself. It's time for a move. Check. What's going let's on, go, Coach Kyle? How you doing, man? What's your mood today, buddy? Mood check, mood check, mood check. All right. Now, I, I try not to plan for these mood checks just to make sure that they're authentic and vulnerable. And I planned for this one a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I was thinking this morning, like, what is my mood? What is my mood? I don't, I don't know. This morning, I've fluctuated through moods. Maybe I'll share that. I woke up. I felt good. Uh, I didn't think anyone, anything was wrong. Went about my day, got prepped for this, had a cold shower. Well, not actually a cold shower. The water pressure is off in my building. So I had a, a lukewarm shower. Those are interesting. And then I made my bed. I did my morning stuff. And then I got irritated. I was irritable all of a sudden. And I wouldn't really have been able to know that if uh, my partner, Gabby, didn't notice. But I just started to get irritable. And I noticed that we were conversating and the conversation was irritating me, but it was just like, how was your sleep? How are you this morning? And I was just irritated by everything. And it was so random to me. And then I moved through that, which I'll explain in a second. And then we got on this call and I was excited and I was motivated. And then I heard, you know, your story uh, that we shared before this. And I was like, whoa, like then I was shocked. Like, I, I just feel like I've been left and right and up and down this morning. It's been so, so wild. But uh, just to quickly explain the irritation side of my, my morning, I was sitting on the couch and recognizing, and I, sh- I shared with her, I'm irritable right now. And that obviously put her off a bit. She's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. So then we were just moments of silence. Like, what do we do? And then, you know, every time I'm in this space of irritability, I don't really share my ex- full expression of what's happening. And I don't mean it that in a, 
negative way. Cause I think when you express your old irritability, you can be like, Oh shit, damn it. That's annoying. Like you can get really angry and, and overly frustrated. So instead I just made light of it, but while expressing it. So I was having a coffee I didn't like, and I'm like, you know, this coffee's bullshit. I'm going to go make my own new coffee because I was irritable. Right. So I just went and made a new coffee, but I didn't say it in a way of like disrespect. It was just like, a full expression in a way of what was going on. And then I grabbed an apple and apple was bad. And I'm like, Jesus, what is happening in here today? Just like making light of it, just getting that expression out, which then allowed me as I did that. And she was joking with me too, to walk into this conversation with you lighter, less irritable and more grounded because I let it out. So that's, I guess my mood check this morning, it's, it's been up and down, but I've embraced the mood that has come and just tried to find ways to move through the ones that I, I guess I didn't like. Are you, uh, do you still journal and stuff in the morning? Uh, I'm on and off with it. Yeah. Truthfully, it's, ha- it happens sometimes and other times it doesn't. Interesting. Yeah. It, I mean, I can get in my, I can get myself in a very ir- irritated mood pretty easily. I feel like that is one of the one of the moods that you know I can get into sometimes. And it's like you don't. It's 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 an actual art to understand why you're irritable. Like it's a very high level. Hundred percent. So what do you what do you think you're irritated about? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. And that's why I sat there in silence. I was reflecting. I'm like, okay, what what caused the irritation this morning? What caused the irritation? And there were there were things. But I'm like that in that moment didn't feel like it bothered me. So I was fine, but I guess it did because here I am, right? Like it was, but it was something small. So it was very, very confusing. Yeah. I think it's also one of those things too, where it's just like, sometimes when like, you know, a lot of things aren't going right or they're the flow of life is even it it doesn't need to be going wrong, but if there's too many things that you're not like, haven't actually gotten momentum. Um, or mm-hmm. they're just sitting in it. Like I call them dead thoughts, but I have mm-hmm. too many dead thoughts that I know need action. I just become irritable, you know, like I'm just mm-hmm. like, because nothing is getting into momentum. I find in life that when, whether like, I'm actually better in life, when things are going wrong and things are going like winning and losing at the same time, but things are happening. I'm doing things, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it's idle like idle feelings that give me irritation when I know Mm. that there's like things that are stuck and I can't either. I have no power to move it anymore or, Mm. you know, I'm waiting on somebody else or that that's why things that depend on other people irritate me really fast. Cause it's like, I do, I have no control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, irritation is an interesting thing. And I think that it's like one of those things where you want to be self-aware enough to understand why you're, and I haven't been in a partnership in a long time. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's, I, I always found that like in a, when I am in a, was in a relationship, you know, it'd be days like that where it's like, I'd remember like being asked, like you're saying, like, you know, are you good? Like, is everything yeah. okay? And just being at a loss for words, but clearly you're freaking annoyed yeah. and you don't have, you have nothing to actually like, and you have you no seem, language for it. You seem like a dumbass. You literally seem like a dumbass. You seem like you're angry for no reason. And then they are, then they say are taking it that way too. It's just like, so you're just angry for no reason. You're just going to yeah. be in a pissy mood for no reason. And it's like, I forgot those arguments. I forget those arguments sometimes when it's just like, because pe- like in a relationship, your, your, your mood is always being on display when you're by yourself. I can be miserable four straight days and nobody going to tell me shit. Like, I, don't even, I don't even know I'm irritated. Like I would have, I would have not, 
known. I have, <laughs> I would just go through my morning. I would come into this call and it would just be what it was. There would be no, no what language I would have used to say that that was what was happening until it's mirrored back to me of this is what's happening. And I'm like, whoa, okay, what is happening? Got it. I am irritable right now. And then all of a sudden there's language there. I may not know the reason yet, but at least I've identified what's happening. And that's what I always preach is the power of relationships is that it gives you a different idea and a different power to your life because you would have never been, you would have never done that. It's 100%. so different. Um, 100%. This is an incredibly unrelated question, but you said this, do you find more motivation in saying um, winning and failing versus winning and learning? Um. Is there a different sense a good, of motivation? You know what? I have a really good relationship with the word fail. Okay, so fair. It doesn't, yeah, it like everything. my, I don't actually associate the word fail with very many. I think I, I ultimately, it's like they, they, they sound in one and the same to me, you know, like um, I've just like in my head have downloaded this idea that, you know, um, you need to essentially fail your way to the top. Like, you know, it's not, a, it's not a win your way to the top. I've always took, I've always taken the approach of just like how the most successful people in the world are the ones who fail as fast as possible. And they don't, they don't, they don't put failing on layaway. They don't wait to fail. They don't, they don't only chase things that make them happy and success and stuff. They go into the opposite side and they're, it's essentially like, you know, to me, if there is like a, you know, a master that you have to go up to and show your work, like he's ultimately like you go there and you go, this is how much I failed the last month. And then he goes, great. That's 10 failures. Good job. Mm -hmm. And like, I've always seen failure as like the way to have to get through something. Cause it's just how it is. Like, you know, yeah. you, you have to lose before you win, you, you know, it's, uh, uh, often I think about extreme sports as a great example. Like one of the reasons why I hate extreme sports is because like, how am I supposed to do a backflip on skis and land it? without doing a backflip on skis and breaking my face. Like, <laughs> like you have to break your face. There's no, yeah. there's no. And I was like, I just am not willing to break my face. Like, and that's what extreme totally sports, are, extreme sports have always shocked me. I'm like, so the only way to get good at this is to break everything on the way to getting good at this. Like, cause there's no other way. And so in, in life, when I think of it the exact same way is that like, there's no way you can land a backflip on a, on, on, on skis or land a kickflip off of a, you know, like a, a six deck. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do any of those things without taking the skateboard to the shin, without falling on your face, without like, um, where basketball and soccer, they're safe sports. You can miss that shot. Nothing actually harmful happens to you by missing a shot or missing the penalty or whatever the case is, or mm -hmm. whatever the skill set is. But extreme sports, I feel like is a way better example of real life because you have to eat that much shit. Like you have to literally mm -hmm. kill yourself and then you land it and people are like, Oh my God, that looked so sick. And you're like, you don't know how many times that fell though. Yeah. Like, no, don't, don't count this kickflip. Like don't, I earned this thing, you know? Fair, fair. That's yeah. a, you're right. That's a huge, huge shift in, in perspective. I love that life is an extreme sport. You just leave it at that. Life is an extreme sport. All of and a sudden it. everything changes. Yeah. You, you got to really figure out how to land that. That's what I was always thinking when I was watching the Olympics. The fact that skiers are doing the half pipe you're on two different slippery experiences, one on each leg, not one board, not to say that it's an easier snowboarding. And then you're going to go up and, and flip with these two different skis in your legs and then come back down and land, not on the edge of that thing, man, get out of here. No way. It doesn't, it doesn't make to me. It's like, it doesn't even, 
makes sense you know and then you meet people that are a little bit like cut from some weird cloth and you're like oh these are the people that do these things because they find joy in actually blanding on their face like they're like oh okay cool because i can ultimately maybe one day do this um but yeah that's that's for another story um i do yeah i have a good relationship with failure so the word fail doesn't really make me feel you know any kind of um yeah, it does take a while to get that relationship, though. So I think what you're what you're pointing at is, you know, most people want to change the word. I've always been one of those people who just like if I got to mentally change something in my mind, it's like, you know, I know you speak about language all the time, too. And it's just like it just makes you feel better if you say this word versus that word, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally understand. I think most people fall in that camp. For me, it's like just get comfortable with the word the way it is and understand mm. what it is. Why do, why do we got to change it to make you feel better? That's like, that's that to me, that is like the sugar coating of like life. When people try to right. like change things and sugarcoat it for you, it's like, it's, it's it, yeah, it will make you feel better with that language shift. And I think that there's yeah. a lot of power in language and stuff like that. But there, to me, it's always, I've always felt just like, I don't need to hide around this word. Like yeah. I don't got to change it to make it look prettier for me to make me understand it better. Like just what is it? Is that the Fair. word? And let's just get comfortable with the word, you know, and, and, and change your perspective of that word. Like, um, and, and, but by, instead of, I would rather change the perspective, how I feel about the word, how it is, than change the whole word, word itself. You know, because right. changing its perspective is more empowering for me. And Got then it. now when you ask a question like this, I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. You're right. I don't change the word. I don't not use a different word. I just have a completely different feeling towards the word failure. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it is speaks to the journey that our our world and society is on right now, which I'm victim of, too, is um, the need to reduce what feels like the harshness of the reality of the experience. and it creates this mindset a lot of people have right now that we are a soft society and it's not an attack on anyone. It is just the, it's the truth. It's the reality that we don't know how to take experiences like failure and utilize them and allow them to be a part of our journey. We, we really struggle with that right now. And you know, there's this super, super interesting theory. This is incredibly unrelated um, and not in the vulnerability space, but I think it's so cool. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about the rapid rate of C-sections that are happening in this world. And I know you're like, wait, hold on. Like, how did we get to birth in C-sections? But there's this incredibly fascinating theory that's surrounding the way we are born and how that influences how we live in relation to resistance and harder times throughout our life. If you think about the birthing process, right? Like it's natural birth is, is tumultuous. It's a fight on both sides. You're fighting to get out because you realize now I'm, I'm, it's my time. And the mother is fighting to get you out. It's this struggle. It's this, this intensity. But you take that intensity and that struggle away and you just go snip, snip, pull. It, 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 the way in which you're spiritually sure, energetically sure, whatever you want to phrase it, the way that you're just lifted out, like, ah, here it, here it is. Even for the mother, it's, here's all of these medicines. Here's all these, um, injections of things. And that way you don't feel it either. So there's no struggle for you. And then we just lift out the baby and it's like, nothing ever happened. I think in, in China, China has obviously a high rapid rate of, of births. 51% is C-section. And then they're saying somewhere in the world, it's like it's upwards of 90% of C-sections. This is how we're birthing babies. So 
if you take that concept and apply it to our current world, well, everyone is just the first sign of failure or the first sign of hardship saying, well, I'm going to go left. Look at the generation of Gen Z's. This is nothing against them, but if C-sections are on the rise, Gen Z's are coming into this world and saying, I, well, I, you know, that was hard, but I don't really want to do the hard. So I'm just going to go do something that's easier. I'm going to switch jobs 16 times in my teenage years. Like it's, it's this unwillingness to push through resistance. And I think from what I'm learning is that's playing a huge role in our ability to not handle words like failure and to only go into the words of winning or learning. So yeah, you're right. You can learn from the failure, but you still failed. It still didn't work. So why aren't you comfortable with that word? And it, honestly, maybe your birthing process is an influence of that. I'm not sure, but it's really, really fascinating. And just before, obviously, you're going to speak on this. Um, it was on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. It was one of his most recent uh, releases. And he shared his birthing story. And he was trying to fight his way out. His mother was trying to obviously get him out. And there was this huge strut, this huge battle, this huge struggle. And the doctor was like, I don't understand. Like, we got to figure something out. So then they, they were uh, continuing to try to do natural birth. A secondary doctor came in. I believe this is a story and said, what are you doing? Like her muscle, her, her bone structure is not built for this. He actually can't leave through that hole. There's no possible way. Her, her, she's not set up that way. Physically, it's impossible. You would have to break her bones. So obviously they would have to, they had to do a C-section. That was the only option. And that I think is a beautiful representation of like what C-sections are here for. But now what he realizes because he had this really extreme fight, he was and now in his life, he's always seeking out the harder journey. Like he was trying to fit through a hole he couldn't fit through. So now everything he does is in search of the struggle because it was such a struggle. So he um, was uh, polyamorous for a while. He's searching out the, the challenge, the struggle. He did a seven-day darkness retreat by himself, seeking out the struggle. Like that, that is how he operates in his life. He's always looking for the harder route. And that's exactly what he was doing when he was trying to be born. So it's just so fascinating how this could be a potential influence into the way our world operates. Leave it to Kyle to always have some sort of spiritual, <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, you, you could take that spiritually for sure. And I think also you could take that actually in, well, I don't want to call it realistically because that negates spirituality, but um, I think that there's a huge, a huge thing there that is growing a huge thing. I mean, I do think, I do think that there is, you know, a lot of, you could pull from that a lot, right? Like you can really pull from that a lot and think about, you know, how our, how our generation is and, you know, what route they take. And the fact that, you know, C-sections are on a rise and C-sections used to be this thing of emergency where now it's becoming a default setting of how we actually give birth and things like mm -hmm. that. You know, obviously, um, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna negate and they're obviously in the women's space, birth is just a hard, hard, hard thing to do. Totally. Um, it's, it's, it's such a hard experience. And I think that like, you know, there's a lot of fear built in it too. Like this, a lot of like, I don't even know if I can go through that the way it's built up. So they just kind of have this default setting, but I think that that's a very interesting correlation. And, in, 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 you know, in the struggle in which you enter this world, is that, does that, you know, change you, um, change how you think, um, mm. uh, about the, about the world and things like that. So I think that there's definitely something interesting there to, to, to pick at. I think that, you know, the conversation doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't actually, um, 
change the the ultimate point that we're trying to make is that yes like now even when someone does fail even if a if a child comes to the conclusion that they failed at something it's like the parents immediate immediately want to inject the the positivity to fix it right mm. like on the car ride home if if johnny failed and johnny understands that johnny failed you know there's very little like I, there's very little how many parents do we have out there that are just like allowing the failure to settle you know right Let and the way the in. nervous system responds to failure and how it feels in the body you're absolutely right that was just a thought i was having is we're not getting used to this feeling we no, reject no, you it. didn't fail you didn't fail you didn't fail right johnny comes into the car like i failed i didn't do this i didn't do this i should have done this i should have done this their bodies understanding the process that they just went through they lost they're reflecting on you know their preparation they're reflecting on you know how they had maybe failed themselves in the process and you know and then we have these older figures coming in and being worried about mental health right so like oh i don't want you to take that too far so then they step in and they try to like dampen this experience of learning how to fail and they go like no 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 you didn't fail you're fine you just you learned it was okay we all we all miss we all do this we all do that what that does is it doesn't allow you to reflect on how you failed yourself in the process right versus allowing that kid to just maybe potentially vent and this could be an adult too we do this to adults all the time too where it's like they fail and then you know they're going through an emotional experience of failing where whether it's sobbing or being upset about it or being angry about the fact that they you know let themselves down and all of that kind of stuff uh, and instead our supports our support groups step in and, and immediately immediately start the coddling process of just like you didn't it's okay it's not that bad there's way worse out there there's this there's that and start putting the bells and whistles on things and it's like you did fail dude <laughs> like that's just you did fail you mm -hmm. were unprepared you you know you the opportunity you might have lost and you know what you and what you should really be happy with is the fact that like if you understood you failed you understood you failed to prepare and you understood that that opportunity was something that you really badly wanted and it's now gone hopefully the pain of understanding what all of that is will help you be ready for the next opportunity because the opportunities will keep coming mm -hmm. you know like there's no such thing as one opportunity for everyone right so it's like you know so there is a i guess like there is i think uh, something to be said about sitting in failure you know and actually allowing someone to fail properly and not mm -hmm. immediately coming in with mental like mental health awareness like right away like i think if we lose sight in this little game of balance where there's a certain level of adversity and fight and struggle that actually makes a human being stronger if we eliminate every opportunity for someone to feel failure at its like umph degree especially when it's something that they love then you 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 lose the lesson to teach somebody where you're actually making their mental health worse because you they don't know how to fight like every time they go to throw a couple punches in in a fight against adversity you come in there with your shields and go it's okay don't worry it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine there's this there's this there's this and this overprotection of mental health you know ultimately could have a significant backlash and it can make mm -hmm. you um have to deal with the learning curve of not learning how to fail and not knowing how to fail. And that is a big lesson. Knowing how to take it does out. the opposite, right? It, I think it does the opposite. This attempt at not or shielding and hiding ourselves and hiding other people from the idea of failure is actually setting them up for mental health challenges because there is no resiliency anymore. There isn't the perseverance because of the coddling process. And that obviously starts 
and originates deeply with our upbringing and our parenting. Like what was that process? And like you said, like was failure embraced? How was it supported? And not just like, well, Johnny, you failed and not like the old way of it, but like, well, Johnny, you failed. Is there something you thought you could have maybe done differently next time? Right? Like not, not completely negating the fact that obviously you don't want them to just go deep diving into a swirl of negativity, but at the same time, it is the resilience being built there. Are you giving them a participation medal when it should not be given? Like what, it, what are these factors that are being influenced and then setting us up for mental health challenges in the future? Because we don't know how to, how to learn. We don't know how to learn. We don't know how to navigate the way in which the brain challenges us in failure. We don't know how to navigate the self-sabotage that comes in and learn how to understand what is healthy in that way and what is unhealthy in that way. It just all turns into bullshit because we don't like the feeling because we don't know what the feeling is. And that I think is a, is a beautiful representation, at least for me, of shifting that idea of does it have to be winning and learning or can it just be winning and then, or failing and then there will be subcategories below that. But either way, you win and you learn, right? You fail and you learn. And it sounds like I'm already positivating it, but it's the, it's the truth. It's how the flow of life works. A plant tries to uh, adjust and navigate itself to a new disease. It tries to go left, it fails, and it dies. But it's still planted seeds along the way. So the next seed comes up, tries to do the same thing. It says, okay, well, they went left, I'll go right. They go right. And it worked this time. Beautiful. But then they got a little higher and grew a little bigger. And then it didn't work anymore. It didn't last. It didn't sustain. So then the new seeds that were dropped again, try again, over and over and over. Life is literally, this whole planet is built to just continue to um, learn from adversity, to learn from the failures. And that if that's not a representation of how we should operate, then I don't really know how else you can look at life. Like that's the basis of life. Yeah. And I think that this, you know, obviously, you know, ooh, we got to hop into this conversation. Yeah, but totally. I think that this is a super, super important conversation to be had because, and I don't know if this is the men's space, this is the human space, but mm -hmm. I just think that when I look out there and I look at the world, um, you know, you have a lot of young people, a lot of young minds who, you know, they're going after what their quote unquote dream is, right? They're going after what their quote unquote ideal life is. And too many of them are coming up with the conclusion of I'm depressed. Um, I, I have mental health issues. I have this, I have that. And that's just because that's what's in your face. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is, there is a massive um, undertaking, right. Where we're trying to create awareness of all this mental health. And we're trying to create, we're trying to create awareness of like, these are ending points for certain people, but not everybody. This is mm -hmm. not like, you know, um, when Simone Biles is stepping out of the Olympics and, you know, uh, Naomi is stepping out of tennis and where you're seeing these rep representations of people hitting their cracking point, right? Unfortunately, we see the same thing in people's highlight reels on Instagram. It's like, you don't know how much work that person put in to have that breaking point yet you're just, you're just taking it as your first, your, your first point of contact. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through two things of adversity and boom, I have mental health issues. You go through, you know, a week of bad luck or, you know, a, a month of bad luck, six months of, you know, of, of, of getting knocked on your ass, you know, while pursuing something that you're so passionate about. And then boom, now you're depressed. And it's like the, the accessibility of some of these words has 
been shields for people to not deal with their shit. Mm-hmm. And, and that is problematic. That is very problematic. And it takes really good leaders to have to now go in there and re-unpack what these words actually mean so that this younger generation can actually absorb what they really need to actually learn about like life. It's, you know, when we were younger, we didn't have, you'd go through these massive stretches of like bad luck or call it whatever, or, you know, not getting your way. And we wouldn't reach for things like mental health that fast. We didn't even know what mm. mental health was. We didn't mm. even know that we, we knew depression, but it wasn't in our face so so frequently that we were, we use it as like, oh, maybe that's what I have. You know, it was like depression was something that was considered, it was, it was appropriately rated where it was. It was like, it's a very scary place. Very few people go there. Um, and you know, the, but the world's more so accessible now that that very few people feels like a lot more because we just are so much more aware. So now your probability that 1%, you feel like you're allowed to be able to like fit into that box now. And I just think it's just a very dangerous place because your mind is, your mind is fitness and your mind is really your ability to understand the moment, understand what you're going through and understand that it will pass. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it's your ability to like build your toolbox in order to prepare yourself for this extreme sport called life. Right. And if, and you're never going to deal with the extreme sport, if you just keep making, if you just keep taking prescriptions from what the world is trying to like, you know, show as a way to be like, if you are going through this, you know, we acknowledge. Mm, Right. Um, and it's a it's a very yeah. dangerous game out there um, right now is because you're getting people who are they're not they're not willing to do the work and they'd rather be diagnosed than to put into the work you know it's very easy to just put your flag up and go i'm mentally depressed i can't i can't do this mm. you know that's the that's the white flag you know and unfortunately there's a lot of people that are abusing that flag and they're they're devaluing the people who are actually going through mental health struggles who actually are depressed a hundred percent that's where it is right there and that's not that's not what we want we don't want a world that you know we're putting the same people in the same in the same camps when one person just lost a job opportunity and the Mm. other person actually is clinically depressed you know right and we're blending those two worlds together you know you've just had three bad interviews you've just failed Mm. it you've just had three interviews not go your way you failed at three interviews get the next one Mm-hmm. And the worst part is, is that a lot of these failures, when you go back and you assess some of these failures, there is like legitimate reasons. It's like, hey, you right. you were not prepared for this interview. How could you now also be depressed? You didn't right. get the job. You weren't prepared to get the job. You thought you could just go in there, show up, be yourself, and that you were going to get the job. It's the competition is stiff out here. Mm-hmm. You thought you could just like you thought you could roll out C plus effort, get A results, and the discrepancy between your effort level and what you got is now led you to mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Come on now, how 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 are we yeah. supposed to judge that? You know what I mean? Um, yes, uh, a whole a whole. Uh, component missing is the, the radical responsibility it's just not it's not common enough uh, and that's something that i i preach in my coaching and so does gabby is like this radical responsibility and this radical ownership for your experience for for your results yes there are things that are out of your control well actually your entire life is generally out of your control um and you're just doing your best to find pockets of control but it's uh the lack of ownership for sure is, is hugely influencing everything 
everything. And I think that what I do want to just ensure the audience understands is that in no way, shape or form is this negating anybody who was having these experiences. Like I had a depression, depression experience the other day, um, like a few weeks ago, I've shared on this podcast and it caught me out of absolutely nowhere. I have no idea why it showed up. It just happened. Um, and I did my best to deal with it. And then I moved through it and here we are. Um, but there are obviously real experiences like that. I do think that what ended up happening was it was silenced for the better part of our history that these things were, were a challenge. And now in the natural process of us needing to swing the pendulum, we've become the other side where it is incredibly loud, incredibly common, and just everyday language. And I think as we continue to progress, progress to the fullest stage of this pendulum swinging, then we'll finally start to come back and everything will kind of slowly balance itself back out as every aspect of our society always has. So uh, I think that it's been a beautiful journey when we've been learning about this because it gives us so much more awareness about what could possibly be going on. Uh, and for me, when I did describe to myself that it was depression, it made me feel better. It made me understand the situation a little bit more of what it could be something out of my control because that's how it felt. Um, and I using that language did support me, but it also... I also had to make sure that I wasn't necessarily over identifying with it because I have no idea um, what could truly be happening here. It's just what feels right in this moment. Uh, but I'm always going to do my best to come back to the center of safety and groundedness and um, not just live in that swinging of the pendulum. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of value there and understanding like what are you using the word for and what are you maybe protecting um, in the process of using these kinds of words and using this kind of language to um, justify your experience. Because is it actually the truth in your experience? And it absolutely can be. Uh, or is it a scapegoat? And I, you're right. I think that part of the part of the pendulum swinging is that it is used as a scapegoat. Um, it is used to uh, reduce the harshness of the experience, to make things smoother and easier, to um, dampen it a little bit and be like, mm, that's okay. Um, and you know, we also live in a huge attention seeking world. So is it for attention? And it, that's not an attack on anyone, but is that what it's being used for to garner attention? Because the, well, you were just separate from the world for how long, right? For, for however many years we were separate. So we weren't getting that regular attention that we were, would have been getting in the public eye. So is it now an, an a way to manipulate your human experience? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but just being aware of that, I think is, is very, very important. Moving into the conversation. I love that conversation. Thank you for embracing that question. I, I didn't realize how much was going to come out of that. And I think there was so much value. Um, but actually, before we move into the question, I never want to discourage the opportunity for someone to share their mood real quickly. No pressure, no rush. What's Anwar's mood check today? <laughs> Clearly ready to go. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. Um, had a bit of a health scare in Mexico. So, you know, I'm just happy to feel healthy and feel able. Um, and so, yeah, I just have a lot of gratitude for my health right now. That's, that's, that's the main, that's the main thing. Um, and yeah, like I, you know, I, sometimes if you get sick, um, and then you come back from it. I don't know if this happens to other people, but like, I get this really massive euphoric feeling, you know, of like, cause it's just such a, you, you forget that like you breathe every day and that you, you know, you're healthy every day. You take it for granted, um, you know, and we love to write it down. If someone like, you know, help, you know, 
tomorrow, if you're like three things you're grateful for, first thing I'd probably write was health. But like, you know, you forget what health feels like when you, until you lose it, you know? So I'm just feeling really grateful to be healthy and be able to do a podcast like this and to be able to like, you know, get my thoughts out and talk and, uh, you know, continue to grow as an individual. So yeah, overall I'm ready and grateful for my health and, uh, I'm excited. So let's get into this conversation. We talked about the beginning. It's a huge one. We've talked about vulnerability before on the podcast. And I honestly, I think that being in the masculinity space, I don't think this is ever not going to be a part of the conversation is the idea of vulnerability. Now we said something at the beginning that might be triggering to some is real men, uh, cry, real men cry is bullshit. And we want to explain what we mean by that, because there is an interesting concept being fed to the world that real men cry. And you might be like, yeah, you're right. Real men do cry. That resonates with me. Um, but is that really the narrative that we're trying to get across? And is that actually a beneficial statement? Like, is that helping us as a, as a group of men? Is it helping us feel more comfortable doing so? Or is it actually doing the opposite? Is it hindering our ability to actually grow in this arena of quote unquote vulnerability? Or is it, um, is it actually helping? And honestly, I think that for a lot of people and for men, you listening, it's different for all of us. And this one-stop shop of vulnerability is unfortunately from our perspective, it's a very broken narrative. It's not actually, I think in many ways, supporting the overall hope that we have with men, you know, not taking their own life and not staying quiet in the hard times and not having these intense mental health struggles that are leading them to, to drugs and alcohol and, and, and abuse and all this stuff. I don't know if this is necessarily the right way about going about things. And Anwar is going to attest to this as well, but at least for me, this narrative of being vulnerable makes me feel like um, I either am or I am not. And if I am, then I'm doing something right because that's what the world wants me to do. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm doing something wrong. And that makes me feel like shit. It's like, why can't you figure this out? Why are you not vulnerable? What's wrong with you is the narrative that starts to play out in my mind. And then that obviously narrative feeds my struggle with vulnerability. Now I'm less likely to be vulnerable because I, now I feel like even more shit about myself. And I don't want to share even with, with you that I am feeling like I'm a piece of shit or that I'm not valuable to any experience in this world. So as I kind of researched this, this topic, the question that we wanted to ask is what is the narrative we are seeing in the world of regards to vulnerability? Um, and are there pros and other cons? I think that there's a pro and con to every narrative that we have. And so I think there's so much value, at least for me and my perspective in regards to the idea of being vulnerable in a way it has helped me. You know, it is a, an attempt to say it's okay. That's really what I think everyone is saying is it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to share your emotions. And if we look at history, like that's been the complete opposite, right? So what we've tried to do with this concept, at least from my perspective, is just change the way we're talking about it and then hoping that the way we're talking about it will then prompt a different type of environment, a different type of change. And that's great. That's great. We're not in the old generations of saying, don't talk about your feelings. Don't share. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like reject all of this. We're not in that space anymore. We're in a welcoming space. And that's great. The challenge that we're in now is what the hell is the welcoming space? Like, 
it, it's it's a blanket statement right now. That's a bit of a struggle uh, for us to understand, I think. And I think we're just nowhere near the swinging of the pendulum yet. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that a lot of us in those world, uh, men and women, are scared of what that might look like. Uh, and that's a part of this conversation is, is in the heterosexual uh, normative way, are women ready for us to even be that vulnerable, to be that expressive? Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge component of vulnerability. But those are my, my pros, at least. It, it's, it's working, right? I think in a lot of ways, it's helping creation like Movember heads up, uh, mental health support. We are man enough, uh, Roman camp documentary called, uh, our silent emergency. Like it's emerging as a huge, huge, huge focus. And this is incredible. Right. Um, however, we do have to take into account that based on what we see, the numbers aren't changing. So what, what is, what is happening here? Are we making us feel more shitty about ourselves because we're not vulnerable or are, are we actually making like tangible real life in the moment change? What does that look like, right? Um, so those are my pros. My pros. Sorry. Uh, what what narrative are you seeing in this world in regards to vulnerability? Because obviously we have different experiences. We're also in completely different uh, cities in the country. Um, what is a narrative you're seeing in regards to sharing or talking with people about vulnerability? Yeah, for me, I think that just like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna address the elephant in the room head on. You know, I think that um, classic. <laughs> This Let's is why I, this is why I think it's bullshit. You know, I think the reason why I think that you know the whole real men cry I, I phenomenon is bullshit is because, um, for me, I feel this. You know, I feel this real resistance to the fact that you know, if I'm a vulnerable, if I'm a vulnerable guy, I'm a man who's you know comfortable with speaking with, about my emotions. I'm comfortable with you know taking people aside that you know uh, I'm really comfortable with and having vulnerable moments with them. That I'm also not that dude you know i'm also not that guy who like you know will run through a wall can you know endure level high levels of pressure who can you know and i think that the world by making this whole narrative real men cry what we're trying to do is we're trying to put people in two camps you're either you're either the tough guy or you're the vulnerable guy and it's garbage to me because it mm. makes it seem like you can't be you can't be both and um and that's what really irritates me about the situation is because you're, we're all making it seem like vulnerability is something that is, um, strips you of, you know, being, you can't then now be the, the other guy who, you know, can endure all kinds of things and can hold things in right. and can handle the pressure because you're the guy who talks about your feelings, you right. know, and, and, and that's the weird line that we're drawing in the sand right now between, you know, um, and that's what I'm seeing in the world is that like, if you see a group of guys, even just close your eyes and think about a YouTube channel that you watch, where you see all these vulnerable guys that are talking about their feelings. Like, what do we feel about that? Like watching that you're watching mm. that you're like, these guys are probably a little bit softer than those guys over there. And why? hundred percent. Yeah. Why is that the narrative? Right. And so now we've created this, this, this like you know reflex to defend those guys by creating narratives like real men cry right trying to make it tougher because i'm just trying to get a bit of that manhood back do you hear how it sounds it's like real men cry now it's like this is how we're trying to sell vulnerability to men is like hey if we sell it as like a real man can, does this then maybe more people will do it and mm -hmm. maybe more people will think that it's um more 
masculine to, 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 to cry. But the reality is that we're actually just putting more bandages on a, on a situation here. Like hundred percent. We're just making more of this stupid narrative that like, Hey, if you cry, it's okay. We've marketed it as real men do it. So you're still, you're good. Okay. So if you cry, mm. you're still okay. Like you're still, you still got your manhood. So, you know, whatever. I, I think, I think one way I would rather see this rephrase is that real men, real men could cry. Real men, real men allow themselves to cry if they need. And if they don't, mm. they don't like, and, and that's just that, you know, because mm. I also think that like, there's probably a lot of, you know, relationships across the world where, you know, women who have fully embraced vulnerability and sharing their feelings and all of those kind of things are dating guys where they're listening to crap like this real men cry. And they're like, but my man isn't crying. So now you're peppering your man oh, to like, you're trying to force him to cry because this is not, you're like, listen, are you not listening to the narrative that's out there? Like you just cry. Like, it's okay. You can cry to me. You can tell me. And it's like, listen, real men will deal with their emotions. They're ready to deal with their emotions. The narrative we should be selling is, you should be vulnerable when when the time is right for you to be vulnerable. And if crying is something that you're feeling like you want to do, hopefully the environment that's been set for you allows you to lean into that cry a bit harder than maybe what you would have done before. But mm -hmm. crying or not crying does not make you a man or not a man. Like mm -hmm. if you are a man who, you know, you're just like, dude, I just don't cry. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not something that I physically, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen for me. Then it's like, okay, cool. That's totally fine. That doesn't make yeah. you less vulnerable. That doesn't make you. Uh, and I think there's too many people that are trying to connect these two dots together and it's not how it goes, you know, mm -hmm. and, and ultimately vulnerability on its own isolated, isn't gonna, you know, make you a better, a better man by itself. Like there's a lot more other dominoes that need to fall in order for you to ultimately be someone who, um, is a man of vulnerability and is mm -hmm. willing it, willingness to me is the better word here to replace all of this like we're looking for men who are willing yeah. to be vulnerable looking for totally. men who are willing to share their experiences and share their emotions like you know that willingness is 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 what we're trying to hopefully do with this podcast and all these other platforms is create willingness because the difference between somebody who's standing on the edge and contemplating everything and doing it and not doing it is the willingness to go ask for help Mm -hmm. the willingness to go do something differently than the options that are the cards that are in front of you. And so what we're trying to create is a world of willing people who are willing and, and we're willing to listen and we're willing to accept, you know, mm -hmm. what you're going through and we're willing to honor what you're going through. I think that that's what's missing. And instead we have these blanket statements like real men cry, which is the actually a, uh, you know, a marketing like thing to make, real men now actually think, Oh, okay. If I do cry, well then I guess, you know, I still fit the real man situation. Yeah. That's just not, in my opinion, I think it's selling garbage and I think it's not selling the right image. Um, yeah. And I think that we've gone way too far on the whole vulnerability thing where it's like, I think the real problem is, is that men feel like, okay, if I'm vulnerable, then they're not, they're not going to allow me to be this guy over here. Cause every time yeah. I see a group of guys who are sharing their feelings, there's some level of a blanket of like softness that's covered with them. Absolutely. Um, and if I'm on this side, then I don't got to do the whole vulnerable thing. And I can just like maintain my manhood and like, no one's going to come for me because I'm a tough guy, yeah. uh, you know, and, I, and I'm this. And I think that like the world needs to understand that you can be both and, you know, stop forcing us to have to share what we have to share, you know, instead focus on creating an environment of um, trust and, you know, openness 
uh, and thoughtfulness and uh, and uh, non-judgmental, you know, uh, create an, create those environments and allow men to discover their willingness to lean into that environment. Mm-hmm. That is the environment that I think that we need to create instead of you need to tell me how you feel. You're you're to this. You're to that. You don't cry. You're not a man. Like you're you're this. You're that. It's just it's it. The narrative's getting a little bit too overplayed, for my opinion. Fair. I mean, damn, we could just end the damn podcast right there because I think you pretty much summed up everything that we're trying to say in this in this episode. But you know, there's so many things that I hear in that conversation, and it's this attempt at defining real man and defining manhood. And this, these phrases that are so loaded, uh, and we you know we talk about language a lot in this in this podcast, and I think that it's not necessarily important to use a different word. I think it's just about wh- why do we feel the need to separate further than we've already separated the world? Now we've sep- we you know for so long we've been separating uh, races. Right, we've been separating races and our our view and perspective of of races in this world, and then that was then supported and not no, sorry, not supported. It was just moved in the right direction of of bringing us together and realizing that's all bullshit. What are we doing? And then now, because that narrative is um, differently looked in many different ways, now it's like, okay, how can we continue to create separateness? Well, uh, a real man versus a fake man, you know, a guy who's in uh, you know manhood and who's not man like who's manly and not manly. Get it, get off it. You know, this, this idea that there is left or right, just it, it's so incredibly harmful to this experience that we're trying to, to live. And I know a lot of, of my experience and a lot of men I've, I've spoken to, like I don't, from a, for the longest time, I didn't feel like a manly man, according to whatever definition was given to me. And so I went more into the vulnerable space. Cause that's what I just, that's, that was my journey. And in that form, it actually felt like it made it harder for me because I felt like I was, like you said, on one side of this equation, I was on the soft side, right? And if I'm on the soft side, well, then I'm definitely not on the hard side. So I don't fit in with what I felt like the majority was surrounding me. So then I'm uh, extradited and I'm, you know, pushed away from this experience. So am I even a man? I don't know. It took me like 27 years to ask myself that question because it didn't feel right. There's so much at play here. And in everything that you were saying, I mean, I haven't, men haven't cried their whole lives. And then all of a sudden you're like, cry, damn it. Do it. Let out that emotion. And you're like, I, I don't even know how to connect to that emotion. So there's this, it's such a wild expectation that comes with a shitload of pressure right now. It comes with a worldly of pressure. And, and what I think a lot of people don't realize is as a man, there's a lot of unspoken and in our mind pressure that we've already placed on ourselves based on our conditioning and based on society that we're already battling. So now you add the pressure of saying, I need you to express your emotion. And I get it. Expressing emotion can help relieve some of that pressure, but it's not about that right now. A lot of it is just that you're adding things on to the things that we are already trying to do, that we're already trying to uphold, to be a part of, to um, provide for, like all of these narratives of what men are supposed to be doing. It feels as if this next step is saying, okay, I hear you, I understand, but I don't know how to do that. No one has told me how, and we don't often take the, the greatest of perspective when we get advice from our partner 
uh, happens a lot in relationships when a partner says, I want you to do this. It, it doesn't usually land for a lot of people in a way it would if, you know, I said to you, I think you should do this. Like it usually seems to be better landed from someone you have no idea who they are and they notice this and you're like, whoa, okay. But the closest person to you, it's usually rejected, at least at first. So there's that narrative that also we're challenged with. So just embracing your emotion, just being vulnerable is landing on deaf ears. It's not, la- it's not resonating. You know, we shared a video one time on our Instagram page of Jordan B. Peterson, one of, for a lot of people, one of the more, we'll call it the harder version of men that some people could think. And he was bawling based on his, his vibrancy in a way for life. And there were people in the comments, like, like commenting crude shit about him being vulnerable, about him uh, not even being vulnerable, just about him crying. And it's like, Okay, well, what we're not understanding here in so many ways is that his crying makes no difference to the experience, to, to him being a man. You all looked at him as a hard-ass man before that until he showed this video of him crying. Now, all of a sudden, he's a soft man. It's like there is no and both. There's a but. It's not, I'm a real man and I cry when I feel the need to. It's, I'm a real man, but I don't cry. It's, 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 it's a broken narrative and there's, there's unfortunately no help, I feel. There's not a lot of support here. And that's what we're trying to do in this podcast. It feels like we're you know, going on this big rant about why we hate vulnerability. And it's not necessarily the truth. It's just what we've done with this term is no longer helping. It may have helped at the beginning and it is no longer helping. And that's what we're hoping to do with this episode is how do we use this word or how do we maybe just get rid of it altogether um, and replace it with something maybe this is one of those moments where um, you know win versus learn or win versus fail Uh, maybe it is time to get rid of the word altogether and that was some of the things that i was thinking about when i was prepping for this this podcast because listen if any of you have ever said what the hell is vulnerability and you've googled it honestly i don't blame you for not being vulnerable I don't blame you for not crying. I don't blame you for not sharing your feelings because this is what the world vulnerable means according to the dictionary. Susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. In need of special care, support, or protection and open to attack, harm, or damage. Tell me who's being vulnerable after that definition. For what? Why what? Why? What would be the point in that? That is the least empowering, least motivating definition of, of a word. Now, that's just the word, just to be clear. Like that wasn't created out of this newfound craving for men to be vulnerable. That's just the word. And that's the word we're using. I can't, I can't grasp the logic that that's the word we're using to help men and ourselves in our support of our mental health and our ability to express some of these emotions. That's the word we're using. That is that, that definition literally makes me want to vomit because there is nothing there for me. At no point is a man wanting to open himself up to susceptible physical or emotional attack or harm. How, why, for what, where's the value? There's no value in need of special care. Ain't not, there is very little men who are going to say, yes, I need special care. No way, not happening. It's just not how our mind operates in this realm. 
And so this is what I'm saying is, you know, men being vulnerable is, is that's right there. That's why it's seen as weakness. Cause that definition is weak. And it's, it's, it's not even, it's like the weak part of it is equally as discouraging as not only is it a weak definition, but it's not even encouraging in the sense of like creating action for good. Like it's, 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 it's riddled with like, okay. So to me, what that says is that like the only time I would engage in that then is not casually. I'm not engaging in that in any casual, you know, notion of it only at the extremist version, Mm -hmm. only at the end, like when it's the last option. And I think that like what we're trying to sell for, you know, vulnerability is like not this idea that it's something that happens at the end. It, it should be just something that exists just as is, you know, mm. on an as need basis uh, on a like, you know, it could be a Tuesday that, you know, you're this Tuesday is going a little bit differently. And vulnerability is not this, uh, the, uh, it's not always something that vulnerability can be done to yourself. You know, being mm-hmm. vulnerable with yourself in a moment of being like, wow, like, you know, this, I thought I was capable of this and I'm feeling like I'm not really capable of this thing right now. Like, this is not, you know, to you, to myself, you know, vulnerability right. to me is a, it's, it's the willingness to understand that like you're a human first and foremost. Right. So like that, that to me, that really is what vulnerability represents is this, this, Every day we wake up and you, you try to be superhuman, right? Especially as a guy, you go out there, you try to be a superhuman person. Every single mm-hmm. day you go out there, you try to beat odds. You try to overcome like overbearing obstacles. You try to, you know, you try to be the man as best as you can be. And then there's days where the dealer wins, you know, mm-hmm. there's days where the, like the, the dealer is like, you know, blackjack, I got the, I got the cards and you don't today. And, you know, when you have four or five of those days in a world where you feel like the world has kind of beat you down and you've, you've lost many times over and over and over again, there is a humility and a human element to accepting that you're being defeated. And mm-hmm. some people don't accept that feeling and they don't accept. And th- when they do, how they accept it is they suppress it. They don't deal with it. They shove it down. They don't find other alternatives on how to lose or how to endure the pain that they're going through. And they go Mm. to our default setting of just let's push it down and pretend it doesn't exist Mm. and wake up and try again. Let's be superhero again the next day. Right. Well, what that does is it weighs you down with internal baggage that you don't know that you're carrying. A hundred percent. And over time, that internal baggage can weigh you down enough that it can create a real breaking point for you. And this real breaking point is what we're all trying to avoid. And so when you take that, you know, that whole entire storyline and just go backtrack a little bit, what we're saying is that that internal baggage that's weighing you down that ultimately could lead to your breaking point. If you can start learning how to offload some of that internal baggage, you can avoid a breaking point and offloading some of that baggage involves being more vulnerable in the moment. And, uh, and, and not even allowing that baggage to be settled. Don't even put that bag down, right? Deal with it in the moment, you know, be vulnerable in the moment. And, and that vulnerability has a ton of different looks, right? It, sometimes it is crying. Sometimes it's not, right? Mm-hmm. There's, 
sometimes it's it's not this outpour of cry. Sometimes it's not an emotional, mm-hmm. it's not an emotional dump on somebody else of like, I'm going through all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, that does feel good in some capacities. And what we're I think we're trying to say is that hey, crying can feel good, man. And it can. And and having a world word vomit of what you're going through can feel good. And mm-hmm. it can. But the end of the day is that those things are just uh, an ex- a, a way of validating what you're feeling and how you're, what you're going through. You still got to ultimately take accountability for whatever that action is and put work in mm-hmm. to get over whatever whatever was to bring you to the breaking point of crying or whatever was the 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 upset part that you know you were so upset that you know you have to share or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But all of that to say, as a man, you vulnerability is still so wildly important but it's not i i think this is not even less about men as it is about the people who are trying to support men stop using this vulnerability word as like this is what's going to solve this guy's problems if he Mm -hmm. just talks about it because we've clearly have seen a world that's talking about it and we're not it's not getting any better it's created more divide it's created a world of guys who are encouraged now have the courage to be like okay i'll talk about it like you know i'm willing to talk about it and you have these other guys being like, I'm not going to talk about it because look at how they talk about the guys who talk about it. Yeah. And and we've created this divide because we're using Huge this divide. like we're almost saying like, hey, those <laughs> who are vulnerable will find more success and will feel better with their emotions and those who aren't vulnerable. When really it's like, what's a vul- just find your level of vulnerability as a guy. Mm-hmm. Some of us, it's, you know, talk about every single thing that's going on in our life. Some of us, it's like for me personally, I, I would consider myself someone to be very vulnerable. And if you were, you know, someone who was a partner of mine or whatever, you, I would hope that you would think that like, oh, if Anwar wanted to tell me something that he was going through, he would, but he's not going to want to tell me everything that he's going through mm-hmm. and just leave it at that. But mm-hmm. I think that like we've cut, we created these two buckets now where it's, he tells me some things, but he's not fully vulnerable. He doesn't tell me everything right. that he's going through. And that's just a hoax of crap shit. This is what this real man cry bullshit is coming from. <laughs> is that like, he's, he's, he's vulnerable sometimes. He tells me about these things, but he doesn't tell me about these things. And, you know, it's like, you, we're not all wired like that. There's some things I just got to put my head down, hug it on. I got to take it on the chin and just go through it. And that's, that's how I, that's how I go through those things. And Mm -hmm. there's some things that I need to be more vulnerable about, more emotional about, and actually like share. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a real, a real, to me, a real man, if you want to really speak about it, is someone who knows the difference between the two, someone Mm -hmm. who knows what they got to endure and what they're able, what their, what their, what their line is for endurance. And they know I can handle these things. This is the pressure that I'm willing to handle. And the guys who understand this is my breaking point and who I'm pretty damn near it. So let me open up a little bit and let me share with some people that I'm going through some struggles right now. And maybe I can get some answers or maybe I can, you know, I can, I can, you know, rejig the perspective that I have on this overwhelming feeling that I'm going through or whatever the case may be. And I can deploy vulnerability to allow me to maybe see that event a bit differently, but it's not everything that I'm going through. I need to share with you. And that now makes me 25% vulnerable. And like that, that is not, eh, he, he could be more vulnerable. Like we just want, I think the world wants a, a, a male population that is just gossip driven. Like we're just speaking and we're not doing anymore. You know, we just, we're speaking because so, so much of the speaking and opening up and sharing your feelings is going to, is going to, is going to help you. And I just don't, and even doing this podcast, it's like, you realize sometimes when we talk about some of these subject matters, right? When we talk about some of this deeper, this deeper content, 
constantly just talking about what's wrong or how you're feeling, or I don't know if you feel this, but to me, I don't actually find it as that empowering sometimes before mm-hmm. all you're doing is talking about things, then where's the action part of the doing? Mm-hmm. Where's the work when we're just here to just talk all the time about how you're feeling, yeah. talk, 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 yeah, I hear share you. your emotion, share your emotion, share your emotion. Then where are we doing things? When, when do we do things? It's so funny listening to you speak. Cause it's, it's, there's so much to pull out there, but the last thing I want to t- touch on what you were just talking about is like directly representing the concept of the masculine and the feminine energy right? Like the, the masculine is completion and the feminine is process. And so this right here is process. Um, and then following this is then the doing, right? Like if we just had this conversation and then just left it and nothing ever changed about ourselves or about our world or our environment or the work, or the work we're trying to do here to support other men, um, then it would only just be the one process. It would only just be the feminine if we don't include the doing of the masculine and a great way to depict this is uh, the uniting of the energy is a bird. One wing is the masculine and one wing is the feminine. If you only have one wing, how, where are you flying? Nowhere in fucking circles. Right. And in a lot of ways, that's how our world has been operating for a long time, driven on the masculine patriarchal system. We're flying in circles. So in a lot of ways, the doing is needed and and it's crucial to the flying of the wing, to the soaring of, of the bird. But the, the feminine is also included in that process, which I think is why a lot of the reasons why us as men, we reject the idea of vulnerability because it's, it's process. It's not doing. It's only masculine. We're not embracing the opportunity for the feminine energy to be a part of our experience um, because it's, it, there's not a logic to it. It doesn't feel like there's logic. There's tangibility to it. And I feel that all the time. There's no, there's logic. I even, you know, talk to Gabby sometimes. She's like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I don't like that question right now. Because that question right in that moment is forcing me to step out of my doing. I'm in doing. I feel good about my doing. I'm just going to do. And it's, it's like, uh, she'll get off this call, for example, we'll finish this podcast. And she'll be like, how do you feel about the podcast? And I'm like, I don't understand the question. That's actually what I'll say, because it's not processing as logic. The logic would be in my eyes, um, what did you talk about? Or how did it go? Or what did you accomplish with, you know, like those things? That's what will resonate. It'll be like, oh, perfect. I got an answer for you. Easy. I already know the answer to that question. But the feeling of it is like, I don't, I don't, I'm not connected to that right now. And I think that the, the value here is what does that connection look like for you in order for your bird to fly, in order for your bird to soar? Because it is different. It's not the same across the board. Your embracing of both sides is unique, is different. And it's removing this relentless pressure to have this all figured out. Just this relentless, like, like you, you were saying, I need you to share everything is not the only way in which vulnerability works. It's not the only way in which this concept works. I'll give an example. Sometimes my partner will ask me what I'm thinking. And I'll think about it for a second. And sometimes I'll be like, you know, I'm not really thinking about much. In fact, I am. I'm just, that's just, I'm just, that's my answer. I'm not thinking about much. Other times I'll realize, oh, you know, I'm actually thinking about like 15 things and I'll just list off the things. I'm thinking about how the the snow is making it brighter outside. I was also actually just thinking about um, my hot coffee and how I would like that to be warmed up. And then I was thinking about, you know, um, work in, in the next few days. These are just things I'm thinking about. I don't have feelings attached to any of these thoughts. These are just my thoughts. And sometimes for her, it's like, oh, that's cool. And that's the end of the conversation. 
And what that for me says is about the process of vulnerability is a lot of times our partners are just, just want to know how we think. They want to know how we operate. Um, it allows for further connection and they just, they, there's a lot of value in seeing how a person thinks. And for me, it's, I didn't cry in that moment. It means literally shit all to the process of vulnerability. I didn't um, have like a mental health challenge in that moment. I was just having these thoughts. And that's a representation of just of sharing this idea of opening up. That's the, the process as well. It's different in many different arenas and at different times of the day. Um, but what I want to get a point across is that I don't always, even, even in my, my work, like I'm actively working on trying to figure out how to be better, how to process things clearer, how to be more emotionally intelligent, how to be quote unquote, more vulnerable, how to be more masculine, all of these, I'm constantly working on this. Um, and especially in relationships. And I still reject the question. I still say, I don't want to answer that. I don't feel like answering that right now. And if that wasn't embraced, then our relationship would have a lot of problems. But because I'm aware of the fact that I don't often like that question, and I've expressed that in a conversation with her, then that's allowed for us to have this um, healthy back and forth in that moment of, is there a different question that you can ask? And then she asks a different question. And that's the end of it. That's And then we've moved on. And maybe later I might be like, oh yeah, actually in that moment I was feeling this. But in that moment, I don't feel like it. And that's the challenge is that it's not being embraced, that we're just not in a space to be ready to do so. And that has to be okay. That has to be okay. Because there's this, again, this relentless pressure to figure it out, to have it all figured out, to know the answer. Uh, And there's no like, what are the steps? What's the stepping stone to getting to this, whatever vision the world has of societal manhood and manliness and masculinity? Like if that's what I'm, everyone is searching for, then what the hell, like what's step one? What's the step in front of me? I don't even see a step. What are you talking about? You're just telling me to jump the ladder when I need to take 20 rings up to get there. Like there has to be right. more of a process on that. I think that, you know, I love, I love how you, cause you're in a relationship, right? So it's like, there's, there's, there's this trying to be someone, you're trying to be the man, um, under the light, you know, under the bright lights of, you know, like you're talking about that wing. Some people don't have the feminine energy in their life. So they don't even understand that they're missing a wing, right? Like they're just around a bunch of guys. They're, you know, they're, they're in the masculine space predominantly, you know, so they don't really spend very much time, you know, hanging out with the other wing and understanding how that wing can be incorporated into your life. And I like that mm. bird analogy that you gave because it's, you know, understanding the the feminine energy, understanding what that energy is. And I think, and I think, you know, I'm going to use this metaphor to, to cement the point that I'm trying to make with real men cry is that I think that they're trying to create men, right? They're, they're trying to create men right now with two, two feminine energy wings. Mm. That's what we're trying to create. And when we don't, we, we don't see that you're still being too much of a guy. You're still, you're still too much of a man. Like you're still, you're not getting it. You're not being vulnerable though. Like mm-hmm. you're not like opening up though, where the reality is then there's some guys that are just like, screw that. I'd rather flap two mat. I'd rather have two masculine wings than that have, have the one feminine wing. And, totally. And, and, and totally be patronized for a freaking, you know, not being vulnerable enough or kind of being vulnerable or kind of being mm-hmm. this. And it's just like, it's this catch 22 of just like, it's, it's, it's stop trying to make people be how you want them to be. 
and just mm. and just offer them a opportunity to be something different than maybe what they're what they're showing up as. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all of it. That's all of that's all I'm asking. And this whole idea of vulnerability, a real man cry, and all this stuff is this this idea of trying to give either this man this this man bird two female wings and being like, now nah, you're you're good. You got two female wings. You're the yeah. most vulnerable person I've ever met in my life. You are a real man. Good job. Or, you know, we have these men who are like, okay, I'll entertain this wing. And they're what they're what they're feeling is this idea of just like you're soft now. And like, you know, you, right. You know, because it's a double narrative. It's a double standard. It's like we, we trying to shift ourselves into that arena. But then we also have the same separatism mindset in the space of men. We're doing it to ourselves as well is the there's a manly man and there's a weak ass pussy man and that's the vulnerable man and we're we're doing it to ourselves even i'm victim of it too and i got into the journey of vulnerability i started to see myself as better than because it's like well look at me like i'm doing what the world wants me to do i'm sharing i'm you know xyz uh and it's it it's wild how quickly the separatism results in and that's a lot of that's felt and by a lot of men it's like you think you're better than us by the fact that you're sharing um, and it comes with the energy that you're doing so, but the separatism is on both sides uh, and it's a battle on both sides for us. Uh, we feel it from our, our partners and we feel it from our, our fellow men. Exactly. And so for me, I just, you know, I'd love to just come back to the point of vulnerability of like, do I think it's very valuable? Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's probably been one of the, one of the biggest tools that I've put in my toolbox is just this idea that, you know, the things that I'm going after in life, they're, they're big. They're, 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 uh, I dream big. There's things that I'm going through that are big. And, and, you know, when you go for, you know, big emotions, you, you deal with big emotions on both sides, negatively and positively. So, you know, you're going to deal with massive overwhelm. You're going to deal with massive, you know, feelings of, you know, lack of confidence you're going to deal with. And when these big waves of things come in, instead of allowing them to, you know, derail you, allow yourself to just, you know, embrace them. And what I've noticed is that embracing, an emotional feeling is hard to do with logic, you know, and I think that vulnerability has allowed me to embrace emotions that I'm not prepared for with a bit more grace. It's given me mm. an opportunity to say, okay, there's a new way to deal with this emotion that I'm feeling, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and being vulnerable with the emotion and being vulnerable with the fact that, you know, as simple as just the thought process of like, I'm a human being, like I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to figure this out. Like there's no, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that vulnerability of, you know, taking my super cape off and just accepting that I'm a human being and I'm failing at this thing right now. And I'm going through a lot of emotions and allowing it, it actually just, it, it, it shrinks the emotion, you know, going back to your mood check. It's when you're, when you're irritable, but you haven't addressed your irritable, it just, it can spiral into like really ugly versions of that versus mm-hmm. just addressing it and being like, God damn it. I'm irritable, irritable today. Right. It, it, dis, it disman's the feeling. And I think that being vulnerable and accepting the fact that, you know, if you're going through a high pressure situation, being like, whoo, this feels like a lot of pressure, uh, you know, the letting that out and, and, and admitting to the room or admitting to the people that you might not often, you know, they, another, I'll give you another example. If you're on stage, apparently, and you're talking and you're really nervous, one of the things that they recommend is admitting to the audience that you're nervous because mm. why? Because that vulnerability of admitting that, hey, you guys might think I have it all together, but I don't. I'm actually very freaking nervous right now. Mm-hmm. That it, dis- it dismantles the feeling of nervousness because you've owned it. You're mm-hmm. vulnerable to share that. And now the audience knows that you're very vulnerable. And what did that do? It just made you human, right? And now that 
that feeling of saying something that makes you feel human, the audience now is like, he's just a human. I'm like, I'm just a human. And mm-hmm. it allows you to settle into the emotion of what you're trying to get done. And that's mm-hmm. all vulnerability does is it allows for this random perception. And what we're trying to say is that as a man, the perception of being a man isn't worth you not sharing whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. True. The perception isn't worth it. Because if you got to go through something that's so unbearable and this idea of you trying to hold up being a man, the same way a presenter would be trying to hold up the fact that like, I can't have this room think I'm an idiot. So I'm not going to tell them that I'm freaking nervous. It's the same way as a man when you stand up there like, I can't have this room think I'm a freaking not a man. So I'm just going to just hold this feeling in. Vulnerability is, hey, I'm nervous. Just want to let you guys know I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, But despite the fact that I'm nervous, I wanted to make sure boom, 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 boom. That little window of showing yourself that little bit lessens the pressure of what that situation is. And that's just owning it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so as a man, if you're in, in those exact same spaces, if you're willing to share, like, uh, I feel overwhelmed by the task that I've been given, or I feel like I can't do it. Right. I feel like I, I don't have the tools to do this. Like, mm-hmm. can I get help? Hey, excuse me. Can, can, can you help me with this? Um, I don't have the bills to pay for that. I'm going to have to go ask somebody for help. Hey, hey, man, I'm down on my luck. Like, can I, can I borrow a dollar? Mm. These little moments of vulnerability and allowing yourself to just like not uphold this unrealistic expectation of a man will allow you to just be more of a man and be more importantly, more of a human. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where vulnerability actually like, you know, lives and, 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 and is honest and, and works. And mm-hmm. when you, when you lean into some of those moments in life, those small pockets of vulnerability where, you know, ultimately to me, it's showing more of who you are as a real person versus the, the facade that you're trying to carry. That's what real vulnerability to me is the difference is. And then ultimately like, you know, there's deeper versions of it where, you know, you're sharing childhood traumas or you're, you're, you're willing to, which really is still the same thing. You're just showing more of the truth, right? Like mm-hmm. showing more of the truth will ultimately set you free. Right. So it's, you know, how willing are you? How many people close your eyes? If you don't, you know, you want to do a self-test, close your eyes. You know who the real version of yourself is. That's like you're in your body. You know who the real version of yourself is. Ask yourself, how many people know that person? And if the answer is dead zero, then that's where vulnerability, vulnerability is like, if you can get in the next year to have one person who knows you a little bit more than, you know, if it's when it's not just you, and it's like four or five people know who you are, then you know you've been exercising vulnerability throughout the way. And what you realize is that like people get to understand you better. People understand how you move better, how you think better, and ultimately will be there to support you more because you're sharing more of yourself. You're not a stranger, you know? So um, I think that being vulnerable, it allows you to be your honest self a little bit more too, because you know, you're more, you're honest with yourself and therefore you're being honest with your audience. And that's what vulnerability sometimes is also hard to do is because you haven't accepted who you are. So I think it ultimately really starts with being vulnerable with yourself and, you know, being able to be like, damn, that is, that's ugly, but it is the truth about me. That is the truth. Like that is who I am. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, it's not like the ideal version of myself. I didn't want that mm-hmm. version of myself. Like for me, it was admitting that like I was stubborn when I was younger, you know, I was like, that's right. an ugly word. You don't really, I don't want to be stubborn, but it's, it's been a trait of mine. So, okay. How can I, what can I do now of that? You know, like how can I, um, 
or, you know, uh, something that I've always kind of cha been challenged with is this idea that um, I love debating apparently, or love arguing or love whatever the case may think. And for me, it was, I never saw it that way. I saw it as I was just very passionate. I'm a very passionate speaker. I want to, I'm passionate about the things that I talk about, but it would be misunderstood as like, this guy loves to argue and debate and, and do all of these things. And so for me, it was like, okay, cool. Instead of being negative about that, I'm like, okay, cool. How can I showcase my passion in a way that has better intention? And now, and then now lead with that, speak with that, you know, be like, okay, cool. I know I'm going to come off very passionate here. So how can I dismantle this room by showing my intention first and then speaking, you know, so that they know that I'm not here to attack. I'm actually here. I'm, I have a good heart here, you know, and, and then you, and so that's just a, that's just being vulnerable with myself and understanding that's who I am. This is how mm -hmm. I've come across and how am I going to now use this to show myself the way I want to be shown and the way I want to be seen. Um, but when you're not vulnerable with people and you don't talk to people and you know, you, you, your, your story is one of one, no one really knows who you are. What happens is that you start feeling like life is a solo journey and that no one's going through what you're going through and you're by yourself and that loneliness and that isolation is what leads to, you know, um, really massive life choices and decisions. Um, and that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, and that would be my little summary rant of, you know, how I feel about vulnerability uh, as, a, as a whole and how I think it can better you as a person. Um, but I don't think that, you know, crying makes you a real man. Um, I think that that is just horrible marketing. Mm. You know, so much of me doesn't want to add anything to that. Uh, I think that there is literally the, the entirety of what we are working on doing here is, uh, dismantling the separateness that comes with this new wave of manhood and masculinity and real men dismantling that, that separation that has come from that in all forms in in the space of men and in the space of uh and women and, and just in general in society and what i like about your uh perceived rant is that there was no um attack on left or right no saying everything anybody was doing anything wrong it's just an embracing of the fact that uh, it's going to be a different type of journey it's going to challenge you a bit. It's going to force you to think about things in a different way. It's going to um, possibly involve some emotional expression. Like it's going to have these things there, uh, but there are many different ways in which it shows up in your life and will show up in your life. And I like the idea of vulnerability first with yourself because that's where everything starts, right? where I expected to be vulnerable with other people right out of the gate with this narrative and we're not even doing it with ourselves. So how can we expect that to be the case? Uh, we're not upholding it for our own journey. So uh, that's where for me, it's like, start small, like start small, like get rid of this idea that you have to have it figured out that you have to have the exact answers. Uh, you know, uh, the way I phrase it in my preparation here was think of it like building a career or, or you're building a business, right? Cause that's, that's things that we love doing. You just start with an idea. And that's what I think vulnerability is. Just see it as an idea. That's all not a pressure filled statement, not an expectation, just an idea, an idea that you understand what it means to you, understand the why for you. Um, and then um, put yourself in a community of men. Right. And I'm, this is a tangible takeaway for me, and but you might have a little bit more on this, but uh, is be a part of a community of men 
that are having conversations similar to the conversations we are having. And you don't have to talk. You don't have to share shit. Just show up, see what's being talked about, see what resonates with you, and then leave. Leave in the middle if you want to. Like there is no pressure here. Um, if and if you feel, hey, if you feel a tear, let that let that tear drop. And guess what? Like Anwar's been saying, if you don't, don't. Like don't this pressure to cry is so wild to me, um, and that's what I love about this conversation. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a great way to just start. That's all. Like no one. I think just if I had anything, I think to say to myself at the beginning of the journey, it's just, man, just, just ease your pressure. Just take some of this pressure off. Like I feel, I still feel it and I still struggle with the pressure and it's, it's what makes it all worse is just, just ease some of that pressure. Yes. Pressure makes diamonds. I get it, man. I get it. Pressure makes diamonds. Hoorah. Personal development. I get it. And at the same time, it only gets to a certain point where the pressure will probably break the fucking diamond. Okay. So ease the pressure, allow it to just be safe and grounded for a moment. Uh, and just allow yourself to take the small damn steps. No one has, no one should have an expectation of you that you will have this all figured out. And if they do, they're not actually supporting you. Like Anwar said, they're expecting you to be somebody you're not. So if it's just sharing a thought that's here, share a thought that's here. And if it's literally just listening, then it's just listening. I think even being in a men's space and listening to them talk vulnerably is being vulnerable. You're like, whoa, whoa. Like it feels different. Whoa. They're sharing so much. Whoa. This feels vulnerable. Whoa. Vulnerability. That's literally vulnerability. You're putting yourself in an environment. That's all you need to do sometimes um, to open up the floodgate. But um, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. I think that there's a lot of opportunity to actually support this intention of uh, supporting us as men and supporting the brotherhood. And I think that just starting small and allowing yourself to just have a little hint of something, and then you don't have to do it for the next week, two weeks, whatever. Um, but just knowing that uh, there is a place for stoicism. And then there's also a place for uh, emotional expression of some sort. Uh, and that stoicism on its own is actually a flawed system and doesn't actually support the narrative that we're upholding here or trying to uphold here with this idea of vulnerability and masculinity. Uh, it's not the, it's not the only answer. There are many different answers. Um, yeah. Those would be my takeaways. Yeah. And for me, my takeaways are very, I would say, Think of vulnerability as a, a part of your tool belt, a part of your toolbox, and uh, and and not the tool. You know, I think vulnerability and in, in in coupled with other things can lead to a lot of success. And um, I think that if you're feeling pressured with this idea that you should share something about about you like if you're feeling like the pressure of just you know you've done the classic traditional way of going about a process a problem or an experience that you're going through and you know you feel like you should share or you want to share lean into it you know lean into it find the closest person that you know you think that that information would you know land or you know you feel like they'd be maybe not judgmental and all of those kind of things and you know, so, you know, the, the, the two pieces of advice I kind of want to give to, to leave this off is that if you're someone who's feeling like you want to share something, 
share. If you're someone who's feeling like you want to cry, cry. Have the willingness, have the courage to mm. to share and to, and to cry if, if, if that's that that's something that feels like you want to do. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of us who's trying to support these people, just do the best that you can to create it hold space so that hold when space. that moment when that moment does happen for that person, hopefully you're the person who's getting the phone call. Be that guy. Be mm. the person who's able to take the phone call and 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 be ready, you know, be ready, be like I think that like one of the things that I've always been willing to do is that like I've always in my head try to think of it as like anyone who's in my life, I want them if they were going through something and they go through their name to not skip my name. That's always all I've ever tried to be is I don't want to be the name that gets skipped. Mm-hmm. I want to be the name that they hover over of like, could I call Anwar about this? Like, I think he would understand. I think he would be, he'd, he'd hold enough space. He'd be not judgmental. He would, mm-hmm. he would honor my journey. He would, he would, and, and just click my name. That's all I've ever wanted to be, but I'm not coming to people saying, Hey dude, I'm noticing this about you. You should be this. You mm-hmm. should cry. You should be vulnerable. You should be, this isn't Jehovah's witness. You know, mm. let them be and you be by being prepared to listen if, if need be. Amen. Put yourself in a position where the people around you understand that your name is a name in your in their phone that they can call if that moment were to were to happen. And if you're if I'm noticing something about your behavior, I'm not going to force you to be vulnerable as a solution. I'm just, you know, I'm here to just be if you need me to be. And on the other end, you know, if you're someone who's going through emotions, have the courage and the willingness to take a different route on how to solve that problem. And if vulnerability is the route that you end up landing on, great. Pick up, pick up the go through the contact and whoever, whichever one of those contacts you feel like you can stop on. Hit the button, call that person, say what you need to say, and see how you feel about it. See how vulnerability makes you feel. And if it makes you feel very resistant and whatever, then okay, cool. Now you know where you're at with your journey with vulnerability. You're very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with it, right? And slowly you get to understand where you're at with it. It's like we make it seem like like a mood check for me when we first started was like easy or something. Like a mood check for me was I'm good, let's go. Like Yeah, exactly. Give me three words. I'm like, I don't freaking have three words for you, but over time, over doing it 49 times in a row, right? I can say a little bit more about how I'm feeling about a situation. Even when you were talking earlier about the fact that like you, you, when you, when you were giving the example of like thinking, like that's a crazy thought process. Like when someone's like, how are you thinking? Well, there's two things that need to be happening. I have to be actively understanding what I'm thinking about. That's one to answer that question appropriately. I got to actively understand what I'm thinking about. And be like, okay, cool. Thanks for asking me. What am I thinking about right now? I actually, luckily for you, was thinking about what I was thinking about. And I can actually <laughs> list it off for you. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Like nine times out of 10, if someone came up to me and said, what are you thinking about? Even though I know I'm thinking about a fuck ton of things, I couldn't give you one. I'd be like, uh, I think I'm thinking about this. And I think yeah. I'm thinking about this, which is the same with feelings. Yeah. If you never think about your feelings, you never will know how you feel. Um, And so you have to, you know, and that's where being vulnerable with yourself is just starting to pay attention to things. Like I'm irritable this morning. Okay, cool. What the hell does irritable mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And then slowly what you realize is, is that then you start to become a vulnerable person where you're like, oh, I actually know how I'm feeling. And I know that it's, you know, not a positive feeling today. Um, where for a lot of people, it's like, you're, you're here. Okay. Great. Thank you for having this conversation with me, but I haven't even thought about these questions before so i have no idea what to say to you um and so start there you know start the willingness have the courage to look at how you feel uh put words to it 
instead of just like this bubble feeling, put a word to how you feel and go, okay, cool. And maybe that means you write it down. Maybe it means you just take mental notes Mm -hmm. and slowly that will lead you down the path of vulnerability to when, you know, something that is really troubling, um, you have a bit more of a tool to actually leverage to hopefully overcome that. Um, but it's nothing more than a tool at the end of the day. Um, and all, all I encourage is have the willingness and have the courage to lean into it if that's what you're feeling like you want to do. Um, otherwise, there's other ways to, to process problems and you, and you know what those things are, you know? Um, mm-hmm. That'd be my biggest takeaway is to the world, let's just create as much space as we can for people and to mm-hmm. the people who are going through things, have the courage and the willingness to lean into it if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Love it. So much value there. And I remember something that I just, I wanted to share. Cause I said at the beginning, I said, I'm sick of this word of vulnerability personally, and I would love to exchange the word. And I've been struggling to figure out what word actually feels like lands. And I think what I came to understand in this conversation is that vulnerability is truth. And that, and then for me, that is what I think I might run with from now on is that, uh, what's your truth? What's the truth of this experience for you? What's the truth of how, you're, uh, of how you're feeling? What's the truth about what you're thinking? What's the truth? Uh, we live in a society that demonizes the truth. And so embracing the truth is the same as embracing vulnerability. It's hard as shit. So how do we get into this open space is uh, just asking ourselves, what is the truth of the situation? It challenges you in a different way. And with truth comes ownership. Truth is ownership. Ownership is truth. And owning our experience of whatever the experience happens to be um, prompts still action. It still prompts forward momentum. It's just owning what's currently experiencing, owning what's currently happening. And that's the truth. And that's how I think I'm going to see it from now on. So I love that that came to be from hearing you talk. That's why I love these conversations. Uh, So that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of today's episode. like you, we mentioned at the beginning, real man cry uh, is a bullshit phrase, but we broke it down even deeper into the realms of vulnerability. And we're just trying to create an open space with this. None of this is coming from a judgmental arena. None of this is trying to deprecate or self-deprecate the process or promote suppression or the removal or ignorance of our emotion. Um, what we're trying to just do is create different ways, different answers, uh, different perspectives into what this uh, giant, giant topic of vulnerability and masculinity looks like. And so we hope we've done that for you today. We hope we've opened up your, uh, as I like to say, fields of awareness, your perspectives to new possibilities. And I hope we unpacked it well enough for you. If we didn't, please let us know. If we've had a different opinion on it or a different perspective, we'd love to discuss it. So DM us, email us at Modern Masculinity is where we're found on socials. We appreciate you so much for listening. Y'all are amazing. What do you want us to unpack next? This, This podcast is for you. We do all of this to help serve you in the best way possible. So let us know how we can do that by letting us know what we can unpack for you next. And we'll see you in uh, episode 50. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share download, subscribe, and if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. 
You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.